All right, so listen up, everyone. I'm giving you a report on my trip to Zimbabwe. It did not go as planned. In fact, nothing went as planned. Um, well, at least nothing towards our plans. Um, what we established while we were there was an organization called Wells for Zimbabwe. And so far, two wells have been put in. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of explain as we go. And we found the place for the third well, which is actually in, which we have video. And what it's doing is it's bringing water into the bush to villages that don't have water. And so the women, <laughs> they have to travel to get drinking water. Uh, some will travel up to 15 miles one way every day to bring water back to the village. They have a 25 liter or 24 liter jug that they carry uh, on their head that's filled with water. They carry a five liter bucket with them so that they can have something to drink on the way back. Um, they are getting water from boreholes, which are um, kind of like wells. They are getting water from the river. Now, the, tr the trouble with the rivers in Zimbabwe is there's these little lizards called crocodiles, and they tend to, they tend to eat people and cattle. And so you want to kind of stay away from the crocodilians. Uh, and so that's kind of what we established. So this is the bush. This is just a bit. And just so you know, I had about a thousand pictures and videos on my camera. And then when I went to put it in the little memory card, it went corrupt disc and I lost everything. So I've been waiting for these pictures to come in for my friends that I met in Zimbabwe. So this is kind of the bush where these wells are going into. You see a woman walking. Um, the women carry everything on their heads. Uh, I, and, and they don't use their hands a lot. They just balance and you can watch their neck just kind of compensate. I don't know how they do it. Uh, this is just another picture of the bush, the area that we're in. Those are houses. Those are what um, the Zimbabwean people live in. Now, there's some that are more um, modern, but this is basically what you're looking at for, for living. There's a modern home. Now, the little hut on the side with the, with the thatch roof, that's the kitchen. And so that's where they're cooked. That's where um, all the fires are. And then that's the, the living quarters. This is uh, the third well site that um, I was at. These are the big trucks coming in that are going to drill these, these, uh, th this borehole, which goes down 65 meters looking for water. And so far, we're three for three on finding the boreholes, uh, finding water. So, and, and it took us probably about a good hour over, they're not really roads, they're more of uh, wide trails and um, to get here, so I can't imagine how long these big trucks took to, to go through the bush. Um, these are the people, they're very excited. Uh, you, you have no idea how excited water makes people when you don't have water. In fact, one of the women said, we, we praise God now that we don't have to go get water, we can make babies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to a group of pastors. Woohoo! yeah, thanks lady. So here is them breaking ground on the third borehole site. Turn it up. Louder. Louder. The volume control. Up. Louder. Louder. Come on. Louder. So loud as it goes. All right. So this is just kind of, this is what they do for 65 meters down. So here they're continuing to dig, and the women 
They dance around, they beat the ground. Now, I thought they were beating the ground to tell it to give up the water, but that's not true. They're just really happy. Those are the women that will be walking miles to get water. And, well, number three. It's not just bringing in water that uh, Wells for Zimbabwe is about. Um, the, the agriculture system in these villages is based upon the rainy season. If there's no rain, there's no crops. Uh, they don't have, they didn't have these, these, they call it, it's not a well, it's called a borehole. They didn't have these things, so they couldn't really grow. And so starvation is a real, a real issue. I mean, starvation, not like, oh, I'm hungry, I need a snack. Like, oh, I haven't eaten in four days, let's go eat some dirt. And I'm not joking when I say that. So um, what Wells for Zimbabwe is partnering with another organization in Zimbabwe, um, in Harare, which is the capital, and it's called Foundations for Farming. And Foundations for Farming was started by a man who, uh, he was a white farmer in Rhodesia before it became Zimbabwe. In 1980, there was a land grab where the, um, the black African uh, people uh, took over the government and the president stripped all of the white Africans of all of their land, all of their possessions. And so this gentleman who was a farmer by trade lost everything, wound up destitute. And one day he was sitting and he's just like, God, what, what am I doing wrong here? What, what are we doing wrong? And God showed him, and it used to be called, instead of foundations for farming, it was God's way for farming but they found they couldn't get into the Muslim areas with it for God's way, so they changed it to foundations. Yeah, the God is the foundation. And they have come up with a system now that allows a, um, in Zimbabwe, uh, they don't measure acres, they measure, measure um, hectares. And so a hectare is about 2.2 acres. And so they can take about um, 1 16th of a hectare show these farmer these these people how to farm god's way and they get a 16 percent bigger yield from that little section than they would from the whole two hectares the object of it is is now it's it's sustainable farming they can one family the 16th of a hectare will feed a family of six for the entire year and they become what they call food independent they do not have to worry about um uh, the, the, the weather, they don't have to worry about any of that because now there is a borehole for watering. Okay, so this, this um, Foundations for Farming comes in and teaches them, and this is, this is the uh, second borehole, um, and, the, and these are Zimbabweans teaching Zimbabweans how to farm and how to get the most out of, oh, how to get the most out of, yes, they, you have to wear masks in Zimbabwe 24-7, uh, it was curfew from 6.30 at night to 6.30 in the morning. Uh, went through many a road stop and being white in Zimbabwe, they think I have money. <laughs> and they wanted a bribe, but I little did they know they were messing with El Chipo. Anyway, so um, this is the, and they're just learning how to farm God's way. Again, this is all in the bush. Showing examples. Uh, I believe this is... Oh, thank you. 
and they're showing soil erosion, God's way there, not God's way. God's way. Simple things like that will change these people's lives forever. Now, this last video I'm going to show you um, is kind of a, a uh, Wells for Zimbabwe video. Um, what you'll see is from 2017 and then today, 2018, then today, and then the third borehole site. Um, all of the today videos were, were shot by me on somebody else's camera. So I've been to all these sites and the work that's been um, being done there is, is quite amazing. So let's just watch this. the only picture that I got so that was my trip um, and we there was other videos in here that didn't come out anyway there was a couple all three bore sites were there but I guess I don't know, I'm not gonna go back um, you can turn on the lights thanks Dana so the object is not only to get these people uh, independent for their food but once they realize how easy it is all by hand to uh, to farm this one sixteenth of a hectare, um, the next year, once they do it and they understand it and they get the yield that um, they can get, they can do another one sixteenth, and now they can sell that produce and make money. And so it's almost like a microfinancing. And so they're saving. We're saving people from hunger. We're giving them opportunities to to make a living for themselves. Um, so uh, I helped um, establish the third borehole site. I was there. Uh, we established all the paperwork for the Zimbabwean and to become a, a nonprofit. We're in the process of becoming a nonprofit in the United States. Uh, it's called Wells for Zimbabwe. I've been asked to serve as the vice president, which means that I don't do anything. I just have a cool title. Um, on the board of directors and we're, we move forward. Um, one of the things I was hoping to do and it just got too late because I didn't have the pictures was uh, well um, foundations for farming they have a solar panel and on that solar, solar panel there's a pod and this pod um, is charged by the solar panel it could put, be put anywhere 
and um, anybody in the bush, those areas, can come up with a cell phone, and they can gain access to this, this pod, and there's thousands of videos on farming, um, classes for theology, all, the, all these things, because foundations for farming, as they're teaching, as they're teaching the farming, they are bringing the gospel into the whole thing. And so it's the farming is done, uh, the whole premise is God's stewardship for the land. And so these people are seeing how to farm God's way and how the yield is much greater than the old way of doing things. The challenge is getting the Africans to agree to changing the way they've been doing things forever, generation after generation. And so Foundations for Farming is about small um, digging with a hoe by hand. The, the Zimbabweans, it's cattle, it's the big plow, it's two, two hectares, uh, four hectares, whatever, and they just can't keep up and they're, they're starving. And so that's kind of um, what I got involved in. That's what you guys sent me out there to do. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're now we'll be raising money for the fourth well, which we have yet to find a place for, but there's places everywhere. So with that, we'll get going. Father, I want to thank you for the love that you have for your church, for your people, the people all over the world. It's not just us here in America. And so thank you. Lord, this morning, I thank you that um, the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth, they will honor you because you are with me, you are in me. And thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so last week, um, yeah, things got a little weird, huh? Wonderfully weird. And I thought I should teach on that a little bit because I don't, uh, uh, if, if you noticed, we're talking today about fruits, flakes, and nuts. Bless you. Who sneezed? I didn't even hear it. Oh, bless you, Jim. Wash your hands. Um, Anytime when the Holy Spirit gets involved with anything, the Holy Spirit kind of messes things up because we try to figure out Holy Spirit from a uh, intellectual perspective sometimes. Sometimes we try to kind of take the world's wisdom and shape and say, well, that's not really possible and that couldn't be done. And uh, But but I, what I want to talk about, Paul talks about a couple things in 1 Corinthians. First he talks about in chapter 2 the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. And then we're going to we're gonna jump, once I kind of flesh that out a little bit, we're going to jump into spiritual gifts because that's kind of what we were uh, rustling up last week, the spiritual gifts. Um, so Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He's been there a while. Uh, he's been there before, and there's, um, they're kind of losing their way. They're, they're really focusing in on, on, um, on, on, on the physical looks and the presentation of orators, and they really kind of like that, that you had to look good when you were speaking, you had to speak well, you had to dress well, you had to be, had to be, have abs, I don't know, maybe cool hair, but that, that's what they, that's what they wanted to see in the people that were presenting to them whatever they were presenting, and remember, these are, these are Greeks, they want wisdom, they're looking for all kinds of philosophies, and they want to argue, and they want to debate, and Paul comes in, in uh, chapter uh, two of First Corinthians, he says, and when I came to you, brothers, and, and I'm sorry, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Now, remember, Paul is an academic. Paul is really smart. 
like he'd be writing books or letters. Oh, wait, imagine that. Anyway, um, so, so he, he can come with a certain amount of authority. Remember Paul said, like, I was, I was progressing. I was advancing beyond my peers in Judaism. This guy was no joke. He knew the scripture. He, he memorized, at least at this point in his life, at least the first five books of the Bible. Not a couple verses in the first five books. The first five books of the Bible. He would have memorized, probably including the prophets, probably Psalms. So he could have come in and, and just kind of laid it down, thicker and heavier as he went, just the truth of God. But he says, no, I didn't come to you in that way. Not with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided, this is Paul, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So all of the training, all of Paul's training, all of his theological um, history, learning and studying and understanding, all of that, he's like, you know what? I, I don't care about it. What I care about, what I know, what I'm coming to present to you is Christ and Christ crucified. That's it. It's the simple, basic message of the gospel. And then he says this, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So he's not coming with an arrogance in his spirit. He's coming as a humble man, ready to lay down the, the law of life, which is in the gospel. He says, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul is telling the church, I didn't come with this, this um, human wisdom. I did not, not he's not um, putting all his ducks in a row, getting behind himself saying, I got this, I can do this. No, he wants to bring the message with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, which we got just a little bit of a taste of last week here. Wisdom, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so uh, we, we, we learn, we grow. And, and as we mature, then we take this knowledge, this stuff that we've learned, and we apply it to life. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I, I think about just, um, all right, John, I'm going to point you out here for just a second. John's a police officer. He knows the law. He has the knowledge of the law. What is, what is um, going to break the law? What is within the law? But yet he needs the wisdom of experience experience to then apply all of that knowledge so he doesn't get himself killed or somebody else killed. He, um, every single day that we are applying knowledge to life, to work out life the way we want it to be lived, that's called wisdom. There's absolutely, again, nothing wrong with it. We need it. In fact, I think there's a, a vast supply, uh, uh, a deleted supply of wisdom in our world right now. But wisdom, human wisdom, can be a crutch. I was delivered last week by a spirit of human wisdom. Back in, in um, 2001, 2002, the church I was at was going through a big brouhaha. And... Um, I was being considered as a pastor of student ministries. Just considered because, um, you know, that's what churches do. And so I sat in a board meeting with 
you know, the big board of the church and the elders of the church and the pastors of the church. And one of the elders said to me, he said, Dennis, we love you, but we can find somebody much more qualified for a lot less money than you in front of about 20 or 30 people. I said, don't feel bad for me. I said, all right. And I didn't think anything of it until I realized a curse was spoken over me. If you go into my office, the first thing you will notice is bookshelves full of books. I have been feeding that curse all my ministry life, trying to, um, trying to get to a place where, where I am qualified, trying to, to grow myself to a place where I can be accepted and I'm worth the money that I've been paid. That is a curse, a curse of human wisdom. Now, don't get me wrong. All of the things I've read and, and um, studied, they all benefit me. They benefit who I am as a pastor. But that's not the thing. Human wisdom, like I said last week, human wisdom doesn't change lives. The wisdom of God changes lives. And so last week, I was prayed over, and that spirit of human wisdom, it, it was broken. And, and I almost, I almost... <laughs> I almost threw away all my books, but I figure I can sell them and feed the poor or something. Anyway, I digress. So, so Paul wants to make sure that, that the church isn't listening to him because he's some um, intellectual presenting an intellectual argument about Jesus and the cross. He continues and says this, Yeah, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. So there is another wisdom. Among the mature, meaning among the believers who are mature, there is a wisdom that Paul is coming to impart. Check this out. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we, Paul and his buddies, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. There is a wisdom. There is a making sense. There is an application of biblical knowledge in a way that goes beyond what we can ever think, imagine, or, or, or just, just kind of fill up in our brains like what is going on in fact this wisdom god created before what's paul say he decreed before the ages before there's a wisdom there's a way to apply knowledge in in a godly fashion that god came up with before the creation how do i know that proverbs chapter 8 proverbs chapter 8 talks about wisdom and and how wisdom is good and we should go after wisdom and blah 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 and stuff like that there and then in, in um, proverbs 8 wisdom talks about itself this way it says the lord possessed me at the beginning of his work that word possessed in the hebrew is the word uh, for created or fathered the lord fathered me at the beginning of his work and the first of his acts of old in the jewish tradition they believe that before torah was given before the word of god god created wisdom as this thing 
when there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then he was then I was beside him wisdom like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. Godly wisdom created before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Wisdom was created before. And we now can tap into that wisdom. That's the wisdom that Paul wants to give the Corinthian church. That's the wisdom that God wants to give his church today. Not a worldly wisdom, but to be able to take, to be able to take this, this book, and the knowledge that this book brings and apply this knowledge in, in such a way where it doesn't make sense, the world is going to laugh, it, it shouldn't happen that way, but for God but for God. And Paul says this. Um, he says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I'm not sure that we fully get the, the, the impact of that. What no eye has seen. That means God wants to do things that we have never seen in our lives what no ear has heard. God wants to tell us things through his spirit, tell us things that, that we cannot even imagine fathoming that such truth or such words could be spoken. Sometimes I, I like to imagine that um, like I have the gift of healing and I raise people from the dead. I know that sounds weird, but or walking into a hospital someday and just praying over people and just clearing the place out in the name of Jesus. What the word of God says is that even those imaginations, God has bigger and better things. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared. They're ready and waiting for us. Prepared, ready and waiting. What God has prepared for those who love him. There's a worldly wisdom that says healing shouldn't take place. That says there's no such thing as the, pro uh, the prophetic or words of wisdom or words of no. There's, uh, that's, just, that's just hubbub. Uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, that's just somebody off the deep end right there. I'll tell you, it's a human wisdom. It's a worldly wisdom. It's not the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God tells us that no, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. That's what God has prepared for those who love him. Bigger than we can ever believe. So, what took place last week, um, Paul will continue in chapter 2 and he explains this. He says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
the natural person to me, a person who is just looking at the world through an intellectual pursuit of knowledge and wisdom. They don't understand the things of the Spirit. They don't understand the spiritual wisdom because they can't because they lack the Holy Spirit. That's why it is so important that we square this thing out with Holy Spirit, that we get people baptized in the Spirit, that we, that we start that power plant in their gut where the Holy Spirit can just spew living water out from the people. But those things are not, um, they're, not dis- they're, they're not accepted by people who are not of the Spirit because it just doesn't make sense. Of course it doesn't make sense. The things of God shouldn't make sense because they're the things of God. And if we get our minds around it, like, like, like you know, like think about the Trinity, three persons, one. If you think about that long enough, you will go right at the very end. I guarantee it because it just doesn't make sense. But it's the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom that is discerned by the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to know, I said this last week, if you want to know what God's thoughts are, you connect to the Spirit of God because it's the only the Spirit of God that knows the mind of God. Just like it's only my spirit that knows my mind and Sandy's. But anyway, so the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit, of spiritual things. He's not able to understand them because they are not, um, what's the word he uses, discerned through intellect. They're, they're discerned through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? So that being said, we're going to fast forward to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be informed. So, there are these things called spiritual gifts, and they're given to those who love God by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul wants to make sure that the Corinthian church understands a basic preliminary teaching of these spiritual gifts, because, again, this is important for the life of the church for the life of the kingdom. Now in verse four, he says this, now there are varieties, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in, uh, empowers them all in everyone. So right away we have this, this picture of the Trinity, variety of gifts, but the same spirit, variety of service but the same lord lord jesus and a variety of activities but the same god father son spirit now the word gift that the holy spirit um, gives these variety of gifts means that these things are given freely and generously you do not earn your spiritual gift you do not pay for it you do not tithe your way into it you do not memorize enough chapter and verse to get there these are gifted to us to the ones who love God by the Holy Spirit freely and generously. You don't get to boast about it because you did not earn it. You're not special. Well, you are special, but not that special where you can just kind of drum up, God, I need this gift today. Boom, there it is. Given freely. Same spirit. There are varieties of service but the same Lord. Now that word service is very interesting because it, it says it, it has the meaning of doing something on someone else's behalf. 
So there are services that the Lord Jesus has prepared for us to do on his behalf. Do you understand that? That Jesus wants to accomplish things, but he wants to accomplish it through us, his church. There are services that we are called to do. We have been gifted with this gift for the act of service, doing something on behalf of Jesus. And then it says a variety of activities, but the same God. That phrase, or the word activity, um, it has to do with making a difference in someone's life or something, making a big difference. And so this Holy Spirit gives gifts. And he gives these gifts because we have something to do for Jesus. And we've been empowered to do it for Jesus. We've been called to do it. We're expected to do it for Jesus. And then in that, in that gifting, in that service, we will make a difference because it is not us doing it. It's God through us doing it. And it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is really important because if your spiritual gift is just puffing you up, you're in trouble. We have been gifted for the good of all. I have spiritual gifts not to make me look good, but to minister to the church. You have spiritual gifts not to make yourself look good, but to minister for the common good of all of us. We all can move in the gifts of the Spirit that Paul is ready to list for us. And this is not an exhaustive list. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge. These are just being able to, to speak into somebody's life, to speak into situations, to know kind of God's heart towards the, the person, to, to, to lift them up, to encourage them. We all have been given this gift given to all for the common good. This doesn't mean that you're, uh, you can hang your, your slate on your door saying, I have uh, the gift of wisdom. And No, this is, this is just about you being sensitive to the Spirit of God who lives in you and then using that sensitivity to build up the brothers and the sisters and even those who might not know God yet. He continues on. According to the same, according to another, uh, according to the same Spirit, to another faith. This is not faith for um, faith for salvation. This is about faith that God's going to do it. God said He's going to do it. I got faith He's going to do it. It's done. That's faith. Faith, faith speaks things that are not into existence because of the Spirit of God. Uh, to another, the gifts of healing. Those are the cool ones but by the one spirit to another, the working of miracles, miracles. You can work miracles through Christ, by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, no man's heart imagined, miracles. To another, prophecy is what you heard a little bit last week, the prophetic word going out to encourage people um, in the things of God. 
to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. Uh, there was a, a young lady, I won't use her name because I didn't ask permission, but I'm gonna share the story anyway. Um, we will, she will remain anonymous. Um, after last week, I received a text message and um, she said she had this vision while we were praying and Satan was around the outside of this room and he was pacing and he was looking at the people we were praying at, praying over. And he was, he was, I won't use her word, but he was angry, really angry. And as we prayed, he became smaller Amen. and smaller and smaller until he, she, she said she just was undistinguishable anymore. Discerning spirits. She gave that to me. I said, that seems good to the Holy Spirit and myself. Because last week we put a stake in the ground. We, we rent the veil. We tore the veil. We opened up the Holy of Holies. And there's no stopping us now. So distinguishing uh, between spirits, uh, various kinds of tongues, this is speaking in tongues. But also, if you're speaking publicly in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation of those tongues. All empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I'm excited about these things. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like, sheesh. I know. Um, yeah, because... Um, I, I, I don't. I, I don't know how to. I want to make sure I say this correctly. I'm tired of doing church. I know I said this over and over again, but but I think I'm done. Um, because it can't be about us anymore. It has to be about everyone else. And as the spirit ramps up and we give him room to move in our times of gathering, there is the possibility or the opportunity of attracting what Yonel calls fruits, flakes, and nuts. Um, sometimes when the spirit moves, it feels very strange and it's weird. And we try to discern it with human wisdom, but we can't. And sometimes what looks to be the spirit moving is not the spirit moving at all. It's just, ooh, look at me. And so we have to be prepared for things to disrupt our services that may be of God or maybe not of God. My job is to say, Shh, shut up, sit down, that you believe is present that word to us. And if it seems good, it's on the move, so is the enemy. It seems that we had a vision of the enemy looking a little bit flustered. Sorry about that. And so we move on. We go forward. We're going to continually take ground. My goal. I don't know what Sundays look like. Um, some Sundays might feel very familiar. Some Sundays might not. I'm not going to get caught up into a whole um, new order of service or whatever. And I think it's on your end. If you don't touch the board, you'll be good. 
Um, we need a new soundboard, by the way. Anyway, I digress. Um, be prepared. Pray in, prepare yourselves for this. Be in the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Study the Word of God. You can read a book or two if you want, but, eh, you know. And if there's anyone here that wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let's pray over you now. Let's get this Holy Spirit thing squared away. Let's get the power moving in this building. Anyone? Don't worry, because we'll, we'll, we don't have to do it publicly. We can do it privately. But I just want to make sure that you understand that the, that the power of the Spirit is available to each and every person. Paul tells us to desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because prophecy builds people up in the things of God. So if you're thinking you're kicking the tires on this whole Holy Spirit thing, if you want to be prayed over, just let us know. We'll do it. And let's get ready for the fruits, flakes, and nuts because it's good. I can't wait to tell someone to shut up in church. I mean, that's like the pastor's dream. Shut up! In the name of Jesus! I can't wait to use that. But that's all I got, so let's pray. Father, thank you for the love that you have for your church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here and moving. And we're excited. Uh, we're not going to put you in chains, Holy Spirit. And so help us discern where you're moving and that we'll join you in that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Food is in the other room. See you next week.